0: This episode contains adult content of a sexual nature. We discuss sex and masturbation throughout the entire episode. Hey everyone, you're listening to After Dark. For the next few weeks, we will be exploring sex, intimacy and pleasure with some of the biggest names in the industry. As our fanta Kate said when we first launched our sex category, we all deserve a tasteful, safe and inclusive space to be curious, have fun and be powered to do whatever makes you feel good about your body. So we're back for another episode of After Dark. Thanks, everyone, for joining us. Sam, hello.
1: Hello. Han, can you tell us what's on the episode today?
0: So on today's episode, we are talking about Kegel exercises for the Cringy combo. Then we're chatting to Bryony Cole, um, who is a fellow podcast host. Um, She hosts the podcast Future of Sex. So we're talking to her about the future of sex. And then, of course, the products we didn't know we needed. So before we get on to um, how to do your Kegel exercises, Sam, can you tell us a little bit about what's your pelvic floor and what are Kegel exercises? Sure. So I feel like most people's interaction with Kegel balls
1: and their understanding Kegel exercises comes from Fifty Shades of Grey and yes. the Benoit balls, <laughs> but <if> they... <laughs> And while kegel balls can be like hot and sexy, they're also really important tool for strengthening your pelvic floor muscles. And so your pelvic floor muscles support so many other functions in your body. They support your uterus, your bladder, your small intestine, and your rectum. So having really strong pelvic floor means that all of those different organs basically above your pelvic floor stay where they are and Mm. that they can function properly.
0: Because people might have heard of like women that have had children their pelvic floor may have weakened and Mm -hmm. that can Mm -hmm. then um, lead to things like incontinence is that right?
1: Yeah definitely I mean incontinence is a huge problem for um, women post childbirth because obviously carrying a child inside of you is putting so much pressure on those um, pelvic floor Mm. muscles and if you haven't been exercising them the way that you would every other kind of muscle they're really going to take a toll on your body and you know having incontinence is it's a I think it's an issue that it's, it's so hard for women because there's like it, there's embarrassment and there's shame mm. around that particularly if you're younger and you're suffering with that post-childbirth it doesn't it's not the kind of thing that you know I think a lot of people really talk about 100% and I know there's not you know there's not a whole lot of information there's not a lot of answers there's not a lot of programs that are out there designed to to help women kind of rebuild their bodies after childbirth so um, I think Kegel balls are a great and Kegel um, devices are a really great way for women to to kind of take back that control of their own body and mm. you know basically just start exercising and really strengthen strengthen yourself.
0: For me when I think of kegel exercises it's lying on the ground and tightening and releasing mm. and tightening which who has time for that? Um, <laughs> how do the kegel ball
1: balls work? So, yeah, Kegel balls are great because you don't need to be just lying on the bed, tightening and, and releasing. You essentially um, activate them the more that you move. So you're going to get a better result from Kegel balls if you wear them in your daily life and particularly if you wear them while doing exercise like walking or like yoga, that type of thing, because as your um, the, the muscles in your uterus move, they, they contract around the balls and then that like helps to to keep the balls in yeah keep the balls in basically i mean i personally really like using kicker balls when i go to a yoga class Mm. if you've ever done yoga the instructor instructor is always like flagging like pull up on your pelvic floor and it's so much easier to think about that and keep that top of mind if you've actually got a Kegel ball inside there so you can like you know really clamp it down on it but you know you don't have to wear it during exercise even if you just wear them throughout the day when you go for a walk um
0: I've worn them cleaning yeah love that yeah just pot around the house cleaning chuck them in (laughs)
1: yeah definitely go and it's, it's like any other muscle, like the more that you use it, the stronger it gets. And so most of the Kegel balls have like different levels of weight mm-hmm. and you can eventually train up and move up to like a, a heavier ball um, once you've really started to strengthen that muscle. Like
0: F45 for your pelvic floor. <laughs> It is F45. I always get in trouble at F45 because I'm always using the lightest weights and the trainer's <laughs> like, Hannah, you need to go up to the next weights. He like takes them away and gives me the heavier weight. I'm like, oh, no. Please let me slack off. I'm here. Isn't that enough? <laughs> um, now there's other, aside from just the balls you mentioned, the exercises. Yeah, if you're not into Kegel balls and you want to
1: use a Kegel device, there are um, Kegel devices available that are a little bit more like you mentioned Hannah where you have to like lie down and basically mm-hmm. the way they work is they vibrate for different periods of time and different patterns and when that vibration is happening you have to like clench on them Mm -hmm. on the, on the device. So it's a little bit more intense, a a Kegel device, but that's why they're probably geared a little bit more to women who are about to become pregnant, who are post-pregnancy because they are, um, you know, a bit more, I guess, (laughs) strenuous for your pelvic Mm -hmm. floor. I mean, and then the other, the other thing to note with your pelvic floor muscles is as well as it being, you know, a a health and a wellness proposition. If your uterus muscles and your pelvic floor, sorry, if your pelvic floor muscles are stronger, it means that you will have a more intense orgasm.
0: That's what we want to hear.
1: Pretty much. So it's like it's not just for, it's not just for incontinence. And it's not just for, you know, expecting mothers. It's for anyone who is looking to have, you know, a more intense and like longer lasting orgasm.
0: We love that. Um, what's your, <laughs> what? which ones do you use, by the way? I'm going to talk about mine and the products we didn't know we needed. Which Kegels do you use? So
1: I use the Lelo Beads Noir, which are probably closer to the uh, Fifty Shades Benoit Balls because they are
0: black. Um, They're very sexy.
1: (laughs) They are. And it comes with two of them. um, So you can use two or one depending on, you know, how much exercise you want basically.
0: Yeah, would recommend. There's another. So in terms of, I haven't used this, but Amy Clark wrote a Beauty IQ article on that. Is it Elvie? LV, yeah. LV Kegel Exerciser and Tracker. So that one actually comes with an app so that you download the app and it has a range of five-minute exercises that give your pelvic floor like a full workout. If you're looking for some sex tech, that could be an option. (laughs) Definitely, definitely. (laughs) All right. Well, let's get into our interview with Bryony Cole. So our next guest, Bryony Cole, is the host of the Future of Sex podcast and founder of Sex Tech School and a Love Honey ambassador. She is a sought-after consultant forecasting trends in the sex tech industry. Where did your interest in sex tech come from and what's sort of a typical day for you?
2: Yeah, I got interested in sex and technology six years ago when I started the podcast. But I think haven't we all been interested in sex a lot longer than that? (laughs) Uh, I certainly was. I just didn't know how to make a career out of it. Um, And I came from a tech background. So I was working in New York in different tech companies. And I just thought, this is the most interesting area of technology I've ever heard about, sex and tech. And started to interview people around that. What is sex tech? Why wh- why don't I know about this? Why isn't people talking about it? So that's where the interest came from and grew into a podcast and a speaking career in a school. And um, we're all in lockdown right now when we're recording this. So I'm not out and about meeting people, but I do meet a lot of people online um, that can range from sex therapists to academic researchers looking at, for instance, the pandemic and how that's impacting our sex lives to technologists that are making everything from sex toys to sex dolls. And um, I also run an online school and teach people that are interested in this space, how they might start a business in the space. So my day is just like a lot of chatting to people about sex and technology, really. That's hmm. and you know I have got a box of sex toys over here too, so you know they're they're, <laughs> they're hanging around. Nice.
0: <laughs> We're the same. Sam and I are the same. Like with our boxes of we've r- we run out of space to store. It all, I had right? to get <laughs> so I had to buy. I've got like a um, bedside table and it and I had to buy a second bedside table because the drawer was full and I was like, okay, I need another one. So oh, now there's sex two toys next to or, each other or
2: beauty products. <gasps> sex toys. Sex toys. Ah, <laughs> oh, that's great. <laughs> Yeah, I've seen a really cool, um... <laughs> Like it, someone took like, you know, those hangers that go over the back of your door that you can put jewellery in or shoes mm. in. They're like clear yes. little stackers and someone had put all their dildos and butt plugs and vibrators in there oh my instead. God.
0: That's amazing. That, you're right. Like the thing that holds the, that extra thing that you can put in your wardrobe to put your shoes in. I love that idea. Great idea. Toy storage.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, so let's sort of start at the beginning. What is sex tech? And for um, our listeners who might not be familiar with it, can you kind of give us a couple of examples of what what we're actually talking about when we talk about sex tech?
2: Yeah, I think not many people realise that sex tech is this huge $125 million industry in, in the next couple of years. It's valued at that. And it's an industry that is so broad. The best way to understand sex tech is to really look at those two words, the compound of sex and technology and how those two go together. So everything in the sex bucket or the sexuality bucket from sex education, obviously orgasms, but also things like crime and violence reporting, STIs, um, health prevention. So that's sort of the sex side of sex tech. And then the tech side Everyone just races to robots and goes, Oh, sex tech, that must be like robot girlfriends, which it is. That's, you're (laughs) right. But there's also so much more to sex tech. And if we pull back to like the first example of sex education and think about how is technology being used for sex education at the moment, and there's just like, a bunch of great apps that uh, are emerging in the space that are, that can be considered sex tech in terms of like guiding you through masturbation or maybe sort of going to therapy or learning about your body through these apps is really cool. So I think that also encompasses sex tech apps, websites, um, virtual reality, of course, all the sexy technology, virtual reality, artificial intelligence, um, anything XR or mixed media related, mixed realities. But yeah, simple stuff too. So technology is a tool. It's really just a tool that allows you to do something. So in that sense, lube could be sex tech as well, um, condoms, those sorts of things. I like to put it all in a big bucket and just think, oh, how did it, how do these two things go together? And that's why the valuations are so high. I think it's a really interesting industry to talk about because it can go in so many different ways and because there's so many different founders doing different things from like pleasure to right through to pain and pain prevention. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. It's interesting. I think when you hear sex tech, it sounds like something kind of foreign, but the way you describe it, everyone is already interacting with it pretty heavily right now. Would
0: you put um, dating, like dating apps and those sorts
2: of things? Is that all in, is that in the sex tech bucket? Yeah, it does. And some people will mm-hmm. say, oh, that's adjacent when we're looking at like valuations for sure. There's not much... Um, in terms of like market research around sex tech. So, you mm. know, dating apps have their own category if you're going for investment. But in terms of just like talking about the impact of technology on our intimate lives, on our sex lives, mm. dating apps are totally a part of that, yeah. you know. And, and in the future when dating apps can also control vibrators or something, you know, or all these other things that the the plugins to dating apps, 100% this is sex tech. Mm. And it is. It's all about our intimate life.
0: Well, that actually brings me to my next question, which is how has technology changed the way that we date, fall in love, but also experience intimacy?
2: Yeah, I mean, this isn't a popular opinion, but I think hopefully it's made us better humans, you know, and that's my optimism for sex tech. Yes. It's changed the way we date in terms of like the proliferation of online dating apps. And um, with that comes these behaviors that kind of suck, like ghosting. Mm. And that's, you know, maybe we did that before, but now we do it more often. We have this ability to connect with more people in our postcode or not, according to what pizza topping we like, you know, right right down to every single niche. So it's given us more opportunity and in the in the first instance, usually when a new technology is introduced, you have these like weird behaviors where humans are trying to catch up and adopting and creating different behaviors around relationships or hookup culture, those sorts of things. But if we look at how it's really changed in the last year, especially with the pandemic and everyone being stuck at home, what's happened is people have been able to connect with one another. And now we're seeing ghosting as like a lot less of a behavior and people are being a lot more intentional about dating. And in fact, using technology is great because you can screen a date through a video call, right? You don't Mm. have to get off your couch. You don't have to put on makeup, find a dress or anything. I can tell within a two minute video call whether or not I'm going to jam with this person in person. Um, So Mm -hmm. I think that that, that's like such a micro example of how our sex lives and our dating lives have changed through technology. But so much of human behaviour is changed by technology like computers, internet, how we have these little robots in our pocket, these smartphones, that it's constantly changing and our ideas of normal are constantly changing. Even five years ago what was normal compared to today is so different I've got rant on and on about the philosophy of that, but I'm going to stop there. Just say it's changed a
0: lot. Do you know what I I find in terms of like building, I guess, intimacy and connection with someone? Because I, um, this is a recent story. So a guy I was chatting to on Bumble. Anyway, I kind of left Bumble for a little bit. And then he found me on through LinkedIn. He found my name. Then he found me through Instagram. And now we're sending voice memos over Instagram. But the voice, I love voice memos. I've spoken about this a lot. Where I find find that you can really get to know someone like through their voice and just chatting and I yes. just like love that now that you can without having met someone you can kind of start to, you know, get a little bit deeper and get a bit more mm. intimate with someone which is yeah. so nice. Like you think yeah. about,
2: yeah. I think audio is really interesting. Like Clubhouse, for instance, has exploded this mm. year and there's still, like the nuance you can decipher through it's like body language, but it's auditory, right? You can you can mm. tell through a person's voice. I'm curious, you 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 went off bumble, but this person sort of <sighs> tracked you down through these other <laughs> yeah. social media platforms. <laughs> is, yeah. is that not a isn't
0: red flag? That, Did you find that sexy <laughs> or that not? Right? Well, <laughs> the way that he described it on the voice memo, initially I was like, whoa. But like, no, the way that he like described it on the voice memo was it actually was funny. It actually, yeah. the way he told the story was funny. So I I personally was fine about it. Yeah. I thought it was kind of cute. Yeah. <laughs> maybe I've been in lockdown too long. So Well, no, I
2: think this is such a good example of like how our behaviour has totally changed. Like what's normal today, we don't care so much that someone, we assume people are going to stalk us on Instagram now yeah. or whatever. It's assumed. But maybe three or four years ago, maybe five years ago, we were like, that's weird. And now we're like, eh, it's okay normal he stalked me (laughs)
1: um so would you say that that technology is helping us to have better and more sex or is it just moving us further and further into like a virtual world
2: Mm. yeah I, I feel like for most people this question like talking about whether it's kind of like the implication is technology good or bad like (laughs) Is it bringing us together or are we all becoming zombies? And I think there's cases for both sides, right? The fact that, yeah, people are becoming more isolated and no need to, like, connect in real person because they can connect with a cam girl online or have a virtual relationship or even, chat, you know, sexed with a bot instead of an actual person Mm -hmm. and that be enough. And then there's cases for the other side where, yeah, I think it's doing – a really important job of bringing people, adults up to speed with sex education. Like, gosh, we're Mm. so far behind. I feel like this is the core issue with everything. If we solve sex education, we'd solve so many problems in the world Mm. and dating, Mm. but just Mm. like politics and everything, because people are just so frustrated. But I think for me, looking at the industry for the past six years and looking at all the other stuff that's available, I think, yeah, you know, technology is probably doing a good job at trying to bring us closer together, trying to improve our sex lives by, yeah, we talked about sex education a little bit, but like apps like Furly or Lover or Coral, you can go download those and learn more about you know, your body, your sexuality, OMG, yes, if you've ever used that. It was a really cool platform to look at um, female masturbation and, and these 12 different techniques of masturbating. Like, hello, we never got taught about masturbating growing up mm, at all. And no. now, you know, you take a study that was done of hundreds of women from teenage years to like right into their 80s about how they masturbate, you take that data, you turn it into okay we've identified these different techniques of masturbation for women, and turn that into an app that's really cool that you can be like oh this is so cool I can I can learn these things. That was never around, and and technology has allowed that to happen. That specific example, they use haptic technology on um, iPads and things so you can sort of practice trace on an iPad, a volva, you know, try it out or even a partner can. So for me, I see so many positives from the technology and bringing people close together and I think I see so many crappy behaviours from the humans, right, that are using it. Technology Mm -hmm. is really just the vehicle. We can decide what we make or how we use it as we've learned over the past year and multiple lockdowns is we need human connection and nothing beats in person. Nothing beats Mm. the creativity and the spontaneity of like hugging a friend, doing something random um, and particularly in the bedroom, Mm. right? Like Mm. that's where great sex happens. It's not through a screen. Mm.
0: Hmm.
2: Back to dating
0: apps, my favorite topic. Um, (laughs) So
2: so I'd love to know, do you
0: think dating apps Like, I've been seeing a lot of content just because I follow all this stuff about dating apps. Like, are they actually designed to help us meet someone? I mean, they are businesses. So are they or are they designed like any other social media app to give us hits of dopamine and sort of keep us on there?
2: Ooh, I mean that's a great question. Hinge, you know their strapline isn't it like designed to, to designed get Designed to be
0: deleted. Design- I delete it and then I re-download it. <laughs> like yes, that's what happens. It's designed to be deleted and then re-downloaded.
2: But the, I mean, obviously, yes, true. I I met my boyfriend off Hinge, so I'm a big fan of oh, Hinge. Okay, so I'm, I may be a bit biased of dating apps. I think um, again, it's up to us how we use them for sure. Any sort of Technology is designed to be user friendly, but mm-hmm. it's ultimately up to the pool of humans on the platform. And if you, you connect with people and they're just crappy, then, of course, you're going to just, you know, keep going in the, the cycle or maybe you're going to delete it because you're like, this is really crap. So and
0: then they'll find you on LinkedIn later. Don't and
2: forget then that. find <laughs> you on LinkedIn later. I mean, I think there's going to be this like hopefully, I think it's kind of a romantic notion of like this renaissance back to like meeting in a bar or a meeting, know. you know, that sort of thing will be really, really just, you know, <laughs> the thing that people want to do in this revolt against mm. maybe apps, having used them so much, having used video dates so much and all that sort of stuff. It's handy and it served a purpose, but I think we're getting fatigued with our screen mm. use. So I see a time where people, you know, or the next generation go, "This isn't cool, man, like when we're off dating apps <laughs> well, like.
0: i was I read something recently. It was um Esther Perel said that like the thing with that she's found with millennials that she speaks to is that they know what like getting turned on is and they and they know what that is like but it's the desire in the lead up to that so because dating apps you both have said yes you know when you were young and you had mm. a crush on someone and you were like do they have a crush on me and you keep seeing them around or you keep seeing them at work or whatever, wherever it is you see them and that desire builds mm. and it's like this crush I have found on dating apps I've probably had a lot less of that because you're both like, yes, tick.
2: That's a great, Mm. great point. You know what I mean? When I read that
0: from her and I was like, oh, I miss having a crush.
2: Yeah, it's that it's like firing off all our arousal (laughs) receptors, isn't it? And that the build Mm. the build and it it's the same thing in sex. Like not just in dating, but I think in sex where people miss the foreplay of it all you know, mm. and jump straight to the action when actually the sex or the great part is everything around it. It's the before, it's the,
0: totally. you know,
2: talking about what you're going to do, it's the fumbling around, it's also mm. afterwards it's the aftercare and hanging out mm. or doing whatever, like it's, it's so much more than just this one single point, whether that's meeting a person or having penetrative sex. So, mm. yeah, we are, we're stripping a lot out. And like shortcutting things, aren't we?
0: A hundred percent. That's what I think dating apps are missing is this sense of a slow build. A, a slow build. Because there's no mm. I have found that since I started using dating apps, I used to have crushes all the time. The guy in the coffee shop. Like, but now because people are in their phones at the coffee shop, you don't sort of have that look and smile and then look away. Like there's so much less of that. And mm. it's and that's the i i think that's the magic of romance and dating
1: is that Mm -hmm. and also that idea of falling in love with someone that you're friends with first yeah you get to know someone and then that's what happened with me and my partner he was best friends with my flatmate at the time and it took us a couple of months to get together. But I I had that feeling of like, oh, mm. I think I like you, but are we friends? I Was don't that know. A couple of really months the best time of your life? The best time. <laughs> because it's it's so scary. You're like, yeah. is this really happening? And I am really putting myself out there? Even though you put yourself out there, quote unquote, on a on a date all the time on an app. But it really felt like, oh, this is really scary <laughs> because mm. this person's in my life already. <laughs> yeah. Mm. It was, it was great. I feel I either lucky that I got. To have
2: that. <laughs> oh, sexual tension. Like, yeah, that's, that's sexual the word. Tension. That's the word. That the it. tension. Yeah. Mm. How
1: do you build that into an app?
2: You can't. <laughs> 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 Unless there's like a slow reveal, right, where it's like, oh, just in you just sit, get to see an eye today. I bet someone's already done this. Then <laughs> the mouth, but like the sexual tension—that is, as Esther Perel says, that's all the mystery, that's the desire, mm. that's the like, that's the dance, the erotic part of all mm. of it. Yeah, I don't think technology can do that.
0: Us humans are going to have to do that, yeah. guys. We're going to have to step up. Yeah, I do up. think that we that we think that dating apps are more than they are so we think dating apps will solve the problem but the dating apps just introduce us to someone we actually then have to do the work I think is Mm. what I'm learning that's
1: true Mm. that is true just back to the idea of sex tech and sex education, you mentioned a, a couple of different apps that are available. But how do you think that sex tech is going to change sex education? And what are some other kind of real world examples of how things like, for example, virtual reality are going to improve sex education?
2: Oh, it's so cool. I mean, we can all agree that we had a shitty sex education. I don't know if we can mm-hmm. say that crappy. Mm-hmm. on, the, One- on mm-hmm. the 100%. Lot. And, you know, the potential to move beyond just showing like an anatomy lesson or like a documentary of animals having sex as like sex education <laughs> and then leaving it. I've heard also some people say oh, all the girls at my school had to go in one room and the guys had to go in another and we had different sex education. Like just nuts that mm-hmm. we're still doing this in 2021. So there's just so much potential for this. And I think virtual reality is something I get really excited by because at the moment, a lot of the innovation around sex and virtual reality is in the adult category and it's not really being used anywhere else. And it's just like, man, if we could put sex education lessons into virtual reality, just like they're doing with other you know, classrooms around history lessons or science lessons. Mm. Like imagine going to school and learning about a really scary topic like STIs or herpes or something, but through virtual reality you get to sit in a room with someone and they talk you through it and you can answer, ask really sort of like scary questions or vulnerable questions and virtual reality is that space if you've tried it that is it's just so encompassing and private and it's your own little world. And I think growing up as a teenager, you are sort of in this own little world trying to understand things, trying to understand your place in it and your sexuality. And if you can create an environment like that that feels safe to ask whether it's a a teacher, a guide, someone about these scary things from STIs to health to masturbation, in a way I think that would be really that would accelerate all, all of us, right, the human race mm. in learning about these things that are really at like the age we should be learning about it instead of it being like a diagram on a chalkboard. Mm.
0: So if you had a crystal ball, how would you describe the future of sex and maybe intimacy and dating?
2: Oh, my gosh. I, I really describe this as just it's more of an attitude than everything anything else. I think people often think, oh, she's going to talk about like how we're all going to be you know, have augmented reality things attached to our heads and like Mm -hmm. tits that fire off, you know, different Mm -hmm. technology, laser beams or something. No, like I really believe when we look at the future and how sex is going to change and how technology is going to change it, it's all in our attitudes. Like even the fact that Mm -hmm. we're having this conversation on this podcast, there's this movement towards openness, less judgment, The big one is less shame, mm, like yeah. ensuring people mm. don't feel shame around their sexuality or anything that they do. I think the future is all about an open, non-judgmental attitude towards sex, and I really look forward to that.
0: Well, on that, on that note, um, thanks so much for joining us. This was a super interesting chat. All right. Products we didn't know we needed. Now I'm going to choose, I wanted to do in this section the some Kegel balls that I use. So you've got the Lelo Beads Noir and I've got the Lelo Beads Mini. And so the reason I like these ones, I think these are good if you're just starting out um, because they've got varied weights. So you can kind of change your routine depending on which weight you want to start with. And then as you build strength over time, you can increase the weight. Um, so it comes with, there's four different beads and there's also, what's that? There's like the little rubber thing that the beads come in. Yeah, it's
1: like a little like a harness. Harness. You can
0: use yes. two at once. Yep. Yeah. So you could I think you can basically like start with like a light ball and then move up to the heavier balls, like as you get more strength. So for someone that is just starting out, I would do those and and basically, I mean, there's not really much to it. You really um, I guess, put them, they've got like a little string on the end. So it's a, kind of like a tampon. Yeah, definitely. You insert. The balls into your vagina and then you can kind of go about your day, you know, 15 minutes or longer and then you basically pull them out, I guess like you would pull a tampon out and then don't forget to clean them. So um, I have the intermina Intimate Care accessories. Yeah, accessory cleaner, yeah. But um, you could also use um, like a something like a Femme Fresh with warm water mm-hmm, as mm-hmm. well. Or
1: if you've got um, like hand sanitizer, like proper... Uh, proper grade hand sanitizer that would work as well because that's got the alcohol content mm. that's going to be effective to clean these products. Yeah
0: so that is mine. What is your product? So
1: mine is um it's a lubricant. It's the Love Lube oil-based lubricant mm-hmm. in honey flavor. So the reason I didn't know I need this yes. was because most like I feel like the most common lubricants are water-based or silicon based but the challenge is that you can't use those lubricants in the water.
0: Oh. And the
1: background <laughs> to this is:
0: are you, back? are
1: you are you are you having more baths, Sam? <laughs> yes, because I just feel like we're in lockdown in melbourne and if you know you're here you'll know how cold it is and there's no chance of an international holiday coming up there's like no warmth anywhere so i just feel like i'm spending more and more time in the bath (laughs) more time in the shower and i really feel like if you're the same then you know an oil-based lubricant is really going to help you (laughs) particularly my partner and i keep having well we're attempting to have shower sets because (laughs) it's the only place that's warm (laughs) (laughs) and you know in winter you're always like tucked up in bed under the covers because it's too cold to expose any naked flesh Mm. so if we're in the shower it's the only time that we can ever like really like be like sensual together
0: because it's the only place that's warm enough you guys live alone now don't you because you used to live we do in a share house we used to be in a big
1: share house Yeah. yeah so now it's just the two of us but it's so still, you're just yeah, making the most, making the
0: most of that <laughs> bathroom all to yourself.
1: <laughs> pretty much, pretty much. So if you're um
0: if you're interested in having some shower sex, and because you just want to be warm, I feel that with shower sex, one of the issues it's like if you had sex in any like water, like. You know, a pool, whatever, is that it would might dry out a bit. Yeah. So, like, water just kills the lubrication. Yeah. So, even if you're, you know,
1: really aroused and really into it, like the like water is just going to like remove any kind of natural lubrication that your vagina is providing. So, you really need a lubricant. But a lot of like water based and silicon based lubricants actually aren't really that effective in the water because mm, they but wash an it off. based lubricant. Rem-
0: remember that science experiment when you put the oil in the water and it separates? <laughs> (laughs) (laughs)
1: that's it that's it so if you're like me and you want to be naked with your partner but you also want to be warm (laughs) then I would suggest having having some sex in the shower and grab this lube I would just flag though oil-based lubricant is not really compatible with condoms though so just keep that in mind yeah yeah
0: Great. Well, that is it from us for this week. Thanks so much for joining us again for Beauty IQ After Dark and we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.